and for the thousands in attendance and the millions that wish they were sitting in front of my bar at the moment. Welcome to the first episode of At The Bar with Yo Adrian, where I'm going to explore the lives of some really interesting people. One of those interesting people happens to share the same DNA and parents as myself, and that's Grant Galea. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thank Good you. to see you. Now, in front of you there, you've got a bottle there of Glenfiddich. It's 26 years. My my son Joey actually bought that for me for my 50th birthday. And this is this is a complimentary drink that I'm going to give all my guests. Cheers. Probably not the same one. No, I wouldn't be giving yeah, all, I wouldn't be giving the all same that. Thing. Yeah, they exactly. might not appreciate They it. might get the McCallans. They might get the Sheba's mm. Regal. But yeah. uh, there's going to be good quality Scotch Chendani. whiskey here that's uh, given out. Now, before I go any further, I just want to let you know that Grant Galea is quite the ultimate entertainer with his individual sense of style, charm, wit, and velvet voice he's entertained crowds all around the world and in australia of course for over 30 years now grant first question for you mate what makes a great entertainer as opposed to just a great singer well uh singing and singing is singing and entertainers can entertain in many ways they can sing they can dance they can be funny in a comedy they can play instruments but uh i think an entertainer needs to encapsulate all of that or a number of things besides just just a good voice. I mean, there's many great singers that are technically great singers, and I, I don't consider myself to be technically a great singer by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's important to be an entertainer where your, your on-stage persona is, is personable and you you have to be sincere in, in, in what you do and put it over and... Basically, you treat the audience like they're guests in your living room and there's an intimacy between you and the audience, a relationship that, that, that they walk out of there feeling that they've been truly entertained and they've got to know you a little better. And it's not just someone getting up there singing and going, oh, look how technically great I am. Look at the notes I can hit, and, but not touching them emotionally. I, I think it's all about the emotion, touching people. It's touching them you know, emotionally is... is what it's about, I think, you know, and making them laugh and taking them on a journey and you know, like a roller coaster ride because every show is is a journey. You know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, mm-hmm. sure. there's highs and lows. So it's not just uh, you know standing there going, "I am a great singer," because if that was the case, I mean, you know, everyone would be doing it. Now, Grant, every aspiring artist uh, was inspired by someone. I know myself when I had that. Uh Short little stint as an entertainer. One of my inspirations, I had probably had two. One was Bobby Darren. The other one would have been Billy Joel. Who were your inspirations when you first started out? Well, there's there's a number of them. I, I couldn't really say one in particular. I mean, I, I remember hearing Frank Sinatra at the Sands, which I think is the ultimate you know live recording of any entertainer. And, of course, Bobby Darren at the Copa. So those two definitely come to mind. And you mentioned Billy Joel. Well, yeah, we grew up in the same house and Billy Joel was certainly an influence on me. But uh, I really didn't have the discipline to pursue a, pursue a career as a singer-songwriter and I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the discipline to play piano for a start, you know, and, and learn how to compose music. But uh, I certainly had the ear for it, but I was just lazy. But, but I, 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 love the, I love the poetry of Billy Joel's lyrics. Those other guys, like your Bobby Darren, your Frank Sinatra, and of course um, the great singers of that time, Victor Moan, and great entertainers like Buddy Greco and so forth, the, the lounge, the crooners, the Italian-American crooners, 
they were a big influence on me. Yes, it, 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 of course, I, they have to be. I mean, a lot of my act is, is basically a tribute to those guys from Las Vegas, you know, the, the golden era of Las Vegas, you know, from between about 1960 to about 66. They were know. fun times, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were great times, and those guys were real entertainers. They weren't just singers. They'd go out there, and the audiences were taken on a journey, and that's, that's what you try to do every time, you know. You want people to come back again. As Frank Sinatra once said about an audience is like a bride, you know. If, if, uh, if you're indifferent with them, it's Ennsville, it's, it's Boresville. You've, there's got to be a connection, a physical, like a, a chemistry between well, you and the audience. Brothers aside, I've never seen an audience bored by your performance. Well, I, I you, hope, you, you I hope always not. come. The vocals aren't working, and they, they always are, they mm. normally are. You got those well, impressions, which, is, which blows people away. I mean, I've never. Yeah. Well, the impressions I, is something that you got to. Throw I've in. never seen a person hmm. that can do impressions like you. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. Broad well, range of impressions from politicians to actors hmm. to even everyday people. I mean, well, that came out of necessity because I I started in a show called Dean and Jerry, and uh, I was the Dean Martin, and the Jerry Lewis was the comedy side of the show, and for. And then when we split up after three and a half years of working together, um, people weren't going to hire me on my own because I didn't have a comedy aspect to the show. So it was a bit of a, a big loss for me. But I wanted to continue working. So I auditioned a couple of Jerry's and it just didn't work. So I just thought, you know what? I can be funny too, or I can try to be. So I started doing impressions and the audience liked it. So I threw, threw, chucked a few more into the act and uh, it just built from there. And then I thought, finally, I have a choice now to make, and that is do I continue on doing my acts the way I want to do it, where I'm in control and sing the songs I want to sing and pay tribute to the people that have influenced me, whether it's Sinatra, Elvis, Bobby Darren, you know, Tom Jones, whatever, and give people a glimpse of what that golden era of Las Vegas was about, and do I give them a bit of comedy? Do I incorporate my acting experience into the act? And I managed to do all of that and put it all into one show. And I came up with my own act. And I haven't looked back since because, you know, I, I was, quite frankly, I, I didn't want to be just the Dean Martin guy in a Dean and Jerry show for the rest well, of my you, life. You've been working probably longer than that 26-year-old single malt. I is, have, yeah. I, I've that's actually, long in this industry. I've actually got suits older than that scotch, but only just. But, yeah, 26 years is a, is a, is a great age for a single malt scotch. But, yeah, I've... I've been uh, punching on for 30 years now doing this. and um, Mate, that's a mortgage for most people. Well, for me, it's a second one. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I don't want to um, I don't want to stop. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. I mean, obviously, I can. You're acting, but that's about it. But there's not many film roles being offered to me on a day-to-day basis or even a year-to-year basis, if truth be told. But uh, I'm ready if it ever is. But... Uh, Right now, I'll continue to do what I'm doing, and that is entertain the people as much as I can. And uh, occasionally, I'll bring out a, a, a CD, a record. You know, I've, I'm going to be bringing out an, uh, an album of movie themes next, and um, good. that's in the planning. And and that's going to be something I've wanted to do. For, it is something I've wanted to do for so long. And uh, great songs. There's some great songs in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s uh, movie themes that a lot of people have probably 
forgotten about, and this will rejog their Can you memory. give us a hint of a, a song well, exclusive great, here on well, Yellow Green's uh, podcast? Song. Well, there's the love theme from uh, The Love Story, of course. Uh, you know, Where Do I Begin, it's called. And then you've got the Godfather theme. A lot of people don't realise that's actually a song. It has English lyrics and Italian lyrics. Um, you know, uh, great songs like an, an Affair to Remember from the film with Cary Grant uh, and Deborah Carr. Then there's... Yeah, there's so many. And there's a great couple of Bond themes in there. And a great song which Matt Munro, who's my, one of my favourite singers, he was, they called him the British Frank Sinatra. He hated that moniker, of course, but that's what they called him. And he was a London bus driver who became a great crooner. And he sang this lovely song called... Uh, um, it was in a film called... Um, it's called On Days Like These. And it was in a film called The Italian Job with Michael Caine. You may remember the, the film, the movie, Michael well, Caine. Yeah. And, You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Well, this was the theme there song. There you go. This was the theme song, and it's a great song, and I'm going to record that as well. There's, there'll be about 14 songs on the on the album, and uh, I'll be putting it out on, on iTunes as well, Not because now you can't just bring out a CD. You've got to actually do it digitally. Yeah, things are different now. Yeah, things have changed. So the days of lugging around 500 CDs on a cruise ship with you and trying to sell... A hundred of them is uh, there's this they're long gone, you know. Talking about cruise ships, mm. now you've you've performed on cruise ships, you've performed in clubs alongside myself. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that, that were fun times. You've also performed doing corporate gigs mm. for major companies, and uh, like out of all out of out of those audiences, which one's been your favourite audience? Well, I can honestly say the corporate audiences would have to rank among the worst because. A lot of them, they're not really concerned. They're not listening. They're just there for an end-of-year Christmas party or, or, you know, an awards night, and they're, they're on the drink and they're tucking into the food. And uh, quite frankly, uh, the the real rap pack, you know, Frank Dean and Sammy could turn up and come back from the dead and be on stage. They couldn't care less. Uh, so they're not really interested. Uh, so you're basically singing over people talking. But in a situation where you're in an intimate room where people are paying good money to see you and it's a dinner show and they put you on around the time of dessert so they've had something to eat, so they're not restless, they're probably the better audiences. And, of course, some of the more exclusive cruise ships have been wonderful and uh, you have a more discerning audience. And, of course, some of the the other end of the cruise ships, you're like, you know, you're... Let's just say, let's just call them, for want of a better word, budget cruise lines. Some of those audiences can be just as great as the uh, the posh ones, you know, because people are people, no matter where you go. Whether, they got, whether they're rich or poor, they've got one thing in common. They need to be entertained. And if you can entertain them and you know how to play that game and be able to relate to them, little idiosyncrasies, little things you say, little way just certain songs that you pick certain jokes that you tell you've got to be able to sum up that audience pretty quickly before you go on stage and no two shows are ever identical sure and if they are then your show your shows it's not organic it doesn't grow you know that's what i think anyway now i want you i want you to answer this very very carefully this question Mm. because the audience out there they're probably thinking themselves look Still a handsome-looking guy. Well, I'm in disguise. Charming, very witty. I'm in disguise because the tax office are looking for me. But anyway, apart from that and a few other people. I'm and, I, and I realise you're still a, a you're still a very very happily married man with two beautiful That's twin daughters. Certainly, but certainly the case. Yes. Tell us about in the past. Mm. How'd you go with 
groupies. We're talking <laughs> about audiences now. Was there any? Was there ever a problem with groupies or? Or how about some pork chop that calls out something when you're singing? Oh, there's Did always the, there's always off? the pork chop. I know, I know it happens in pubs. Oh, it happens in pubs. I remember one night at the Golden Sheaf. I was up there doing a. Back in those days, I was a rock and roller. I wasn't really doing the Sinatra or the, the croon thing, but I was doing a song. I think it was uh, You May Be Right or It's Still Rock and Roll to Me or something. And this pelican started throwing ice at me. And uh, I told him nicely to stop, you know, and he continued. So I jumped off the stage and I hit him across the head with a microphone stand. And then, really? Yeah. And then continued. Bad income. Continued until he. Uh, he, well, he was unconscious when I was finished with him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever work at that place again? No, no. I, funny no, enough, I they never got me back there. You, I wouldn't think so. But yeah, there's there's certain places where you, you you can't do that, so you've got to do something else. And usually, you can do it with your wit, you know, which which I prefer to do anyway. You know, you can say something like, you know, someone might say something, and you might be like, hey, pal, you know, I work alone. We're not a team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or, you know, what's your name? So you, they say their name, you go, oh, okay, Dolores, you know, who said you could talk to me? You know, there's there's yeah. so many different things you can say to them and put them down, and uh, but in a way where, you know, you make them look like the idiot. Because quite frankly, 95% of the audience, once you've got them, they, they're there to see you. They they yeah. The problem with this reality te- television age is everybody wants to be part of the show. So you're not they a fan of reality of TV? Not at all. Not in, not in by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, if I could blow it up with a nuclear warhead, I would. <laughs> they're, they're basically making a lot of... Uh, uh, they're nev- making a bunch of Neville Nobodies, Neville Nobodies and Nobodies, no talents yeah. famous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, but, you know, but it's back also, in the old it, days, it, you had it, to have it's, talent to It's make also it. an opportunity for a lot of young people that wouldn't normally get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the old days, they had RSL clubs. You know, you could get up at a RSL club and there'd be a talent show and you'd get up. I never won any of those. And, and I'm glad I didn't because it made me more determined to make a living as an entertainer. Yeah. And uh, it means nothing anyway. It's like, you know, Mo Awards and Blow Awards and all those other awards, you know. It's all that is is just the people in the in the industry backslapping and you know proverbially urinating in each other's pockets. That's basically what they do, and I couldn't care less. I just want to be remembered for what I do. And when I go, people, I want people to say, "Well, he was a great entertainer," you know. Well, they will certainly mm. say that because not not he won this many awards. Putting and, aside the fact you're yeah. my brother, you you are very very entertaining. Now I've got a I've got a question for you. Now I'm gonna I'm actually gonna ask every single person mm. the end of my mm. podcast this same question. What change would you make to yourself if you had divine power and you could make any change possible to yourself? What would it be? I'd have to change my underpants. That'd be the first thing. No, seriously. <laughs> no. Uh, you got look, divine power. Well, Any, like, anything no, you'd like to change about yourself. It's quite a hypothetical, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't, no one has divine power. Um, no one knows what's around the corner. The only thing we can probably do is, is look back at our lives and, and, try and, and try and sort of not let the past dictate the present or the future. So there's a lot of things I could have done and, you know, I, I think my biggest Achilles heel was always my temper. I, I never had my temperament. You know, my, my, there's times when I should have kept my mouth shut and I didn't. And yeah, that famous Galea temper. Yeah, there was that. And then there was yeah. times when... Um, I'm hearing you, brother. That's basically one of the biggest problems, I think, the being able to control my emotions. 
Um, and maybe if I would have applied myself more discipline, like, you know, maybe I should have learned to play the piano. Um, that would have been good. Um, I don't regret my days at acting school. I, I did my best. I was, I was well received. My, my peers all thought I was a, you know, a fine actor and that. But it's, it's the right time, right place. Uh, it's who you know. There's a lot of that involved. And uh, the opportunities might still be around the corner. You never know. You know that's that's the great thing about this business. Someone can land a role when they turn oh. seventy, and you know they're an overnight sensation. But it took them fifty years to get there. Yeah. You know? Well, on that note, as the great Sylvester Stallone says, "If you can change, then I can change, then everybody can change." Now we're finishing on a positive note. So until the next podcast... If you're a chameleon, you can change many times. <laughs> True. So until the next podcast, I want everyone out there to treat each other like you'd like to be treated yourself and don't take any shit from anybody. See you later.